If you have your Bible, Isaiah chapter 53, this evening, Isaiah chapter 53, I was raised uh, in the Catholic religion, and Catholicism has some very different teachings about God, about sin, about uh, Jesus and uh, the saints and different things. Then what I began to read when I became a Christian in the Bible, how that Jesus died for my sins. It is said of Christianity that Christianity is not a formal religious set of rules as much as it is a relationship with Jesus. But that being said, there is a formality that I want to look at this evening, and it is the center of Christianity, and it was very formal. It was very important that Jesus would actually go to the cross and die for our sins. If you think Christianity is just about doing some rules, some regulations, being a good person, then you've missed what what is the essence of Christianity. Because that all, all that says you have religion, and religion is about a teacher. Pick your religion. It's a teacher. Confucius taught Confucianism. Buddha taught Buddhism. Muhammad taught Islam. Mary Baker Eddy taught Christian science. I could go on and on. The prophets of the of uh, uh, um, the Jehovah Witnesses. On and on. Teachings. And I'm not discounting the teachings of the Bible. But what is at center of Christianity is the cross. And more importantly than the cross, it is the blood that Jesus shed on Calvary's cross. That's the center of Christianity. And if that's not the center of your Christianity, if it's about rules and teachings and this and that, then you've missed the essence of what Jesus came to accomplish. Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 3, from the New King James Version, he was despised and rejected by man. A man of sorrows and acquainted with griefs. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him smitten, uh, stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. I want to look with you this evening at the four different ways the blood of Jesus applies to our lives. And we're going to pray for people, situations, and circumstances, because there is no salvation without the shedding of blood. It's not about being a good person. It's not just about saying that I 
fulfilled some rules, did some things today that now I can check the Christian box. But it's about the blood of Jesus. Four areas are brought out in Isaiah 53 verse 5. Transgressions, iniquities, peace, and healing that are all accomplished by Jesus on the cross. I want to tell you firstly about Jesus' sacrifice. Christianity has, you have to have more than a prophet or a teacher. It has to be more than just ethics or morals or rules. Those are part of Christianity, I understand that, but the essence of Christianity is not made up by that, it's made up by what Jesus accomplished on Calvary's cross. And to lose sight of that means that you've just become a good person, you go through some religious motions, but you lose the essence of what Christianity truly is. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Paul says, of whom I am the chief sinner. Because you did it for your pleasure. He did it against the church. But the understanding here is that the essence of why Jesus came is to die for sinners. Yous and eyes are sinners. Violated God's plan, God's word, God's purpose. Took on our selfishness. And did what was contrary to sometimes even our own best interest. To fulfill some kind of pleasure, some kind of desire, some kind of a, a drive that was in us that caused us to sin, to steal, to kill, to destroy, to lust, to whatever it was. The blood was shed for sinners. Jesus had to pay the price. It's not... Oh, well, that's, I'm just weak, or I'm just tired, or I'm just, that's just the way I am. I'm not going to be a radical Christian uh, like you. I'm not going to be born again. I'm not, then you don't get the cross. That it cost Jesus everything. He who knew no sin, Jesus never sinned. He wasn't worthy to die. But he became our sin. He took our place. What we'll examine in just a few moments is that everything that happened to Jesus on Calvary's cross was so the opposite could happen to you. He was broken so you can be made whole. He died so you can live. He was forsaken so you can be accepted. I could go on and on. But what happened to Jesus on that day was so that the opposite could happen to us who are actually worthy of being broken. Because we broke ourselves. Who are actually worthy of hell and the wages of sin and death. But he gave us life. And he did that through his sacrifice. Forgiveness comes 
Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Forgiveness doesn't come because you decided to turn over a new leaf. Forgiveness comes because Jesus died for you and shed his blood so that you could be made whole. This is the insult to God when you don't accept it, is you're saying the death of his son is meaningless. That's the insult to God. I can do it on my own. That insults God. That's like saying, God, I don't need you. I can do this on my own. Romans 3, 21 through 26, but now that the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Not because of the law, apart from the law. What is that? Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. The law spoke of this. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all who believe. For there is no difference. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Being freely, uh, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God sent forth as a propagation or literally a substitute by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because of his long-suffering God has passed over our sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at this present time his righteousness and that he might be just and the justifier of one who has faith in Jesus. It says here that we deserve to die, but Jesus became our substitute. That if we put faith in him, he can change us. He can, we can become righteous in his sight. That through the faith that is in him, we are justified because he's just and he desires to justify us. Justify is a fancy term. It's a legal term, actually. But the easiest way to remember justify is literally just as if I had never sinned. We're justified. Slight is worn, wiped clean. Four areas, our text tells us, he was wounded for our transgressions. Another translation would call this trespasses. We can understand trespassing. You ever seen a sign, do not trespass? Which simply means do not cross that line. But you know the problem with all of us? We're line crossers. We've crossed lines. Lines we should have never crossed. We've done it with our actions. We've done it with our words. We've done it with our eyes. We've done it with our thoughts. We've crossed lines. That this is the problem that we have. The word literally transgressions means rebellions. That we didn't take what God said and do it 
And we didn't do what God said not to do, that we did. That's called rebellion. In John 19, verse 18, it says, Jesus was nailed to the cross, and on each side of him was a man also nailed to the cross. That the thought of him being nailed to the cross was because you and I deserve that. We had broken God's laws. We deserved to die. And yet, when he was nailed to the cross, the first words he spoke were, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 begins to tell us that if the rulers of this world actually really understood who Jesus was, they would not have killed him. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Those wounds are the very ones that Thomas said, if I could put my finger in, in his hands, in his side, then I would believe. You know, it's ironic that as you read this, there's four times Jesus shed his blood. And the one, and the, mo- the, the one we all are aware of is the time he was on the cross. The wounds of those nails driven that were your sins and my sins. Those nails that went, pierced him. He would have obviously bled if you put a nail through your hand. Revelation 1.5, And Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the rulers of the kings of the earth, who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. The blood of Christ washes us of our sins. The wounds for our violations and rebellions, our line crossing, redeemed us to God. New York has a bottle bill like most of the Northeast. Water bottles, soda cans, beer cans, I think. I don't buy beer. Five cents. You could take this bottle and redeem it. Most of us don't because you need a lot to get some decent money. Just pay for the gas to drive there. But we were redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Bought back. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, from the aimless conduct received by the traditions of your fathers. The Catholics called it indulgences. You knew you were going to go out Friday night and party. Wednesday you could go see the priest and buy an indulgence. That God would somehow look away. I don't see you the sin. The problem with the slogan, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, is that's just not true. You weren't redeemed by that, but 
with the precious blood of Christ, the lamb without blemish and without spot. That's how bad your sins were. I wasn't that bad. Yes, you were. You were bad enough that Jesus had to die for you. But not only that, it says he was bruised for our iniquities. The word iniquities in the Hebrew literally means perversities. Those things that are twisted in us. That's what the word perverse means, literally to twist. It's interesting that he was bruised for our iniquities. If you understand bruises, a medical term basically, it's actually blood vessels under the skin that break. It's something that happens inside you. Wounds come from the outside, right? People who are wounded by, you know, gunfire, they were shot from the outside and it entered in. But a bruise is from the inside outward. Something happens and a bruise is formed. Another place Jesus shed blood was John 19.34, but one of the soldiers pierced him in his side and immediately blood and water came out. This is from the heart area. That the blood of Jesus is concerned with your heart. Iniquities are what go on inside of us. The things that, you know, you ever had a thought and actually said it out loud and then regretted it? Those are the sins Jesus died for. Even the ones you didn't say outside. Matthew 7, 20 through 23, and Jesus said, what comes out of a man defiles him for within From within, out of the heart, men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murder, thieves, covetous, wickedness, deceit, lawlessness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All of these come from within and defile a man. They're all in there. There, This is what Jesus died for as well. We're going to get to the hope in this. Hang Hang in there. But the reality is, is Jesus just doesn't want to change a little bit of your outward behavior. The blood shouldn't just change, oh, now you come to church and occasionally look at a Bible and think, I should read that. But something should happen inside here. How you look at people who are different than you. People who are the same as you. Money. The opposite sex. Should all be changed because of the blood of Jesus Christ. What's in here should change. The things that are in here that come to the surface. Just like a bruise. Broken blood vessels underneath the skin that come to the surface. The blood of Jesus doesn't want you to stay the same. If any man is in Christ, he becomes a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things. Not some things. All things become new. 
He died for our peace. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace. Our lives are tormented. Sin torments people's lives. The lie of sin is you just got to do it a little better and then you won't be tormented. But that's not the truth. The truth is the more you do it, the more tormented you become. This is why one in six Americans take things to help them sleep at night. They're tormented. They're tormented individuals. Matthew 27, 29, And when they twisted the crown of thorns and they put it on his head, they put a reed in his right hand and they bowed, mocking him, saying, Hail, the King of the Jews. It's very interesting that at the garden, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Both of these would come from his head. There is called an agony sweat where actually blood will start coming through your sweat glands. You have to be in tremendous agony, tremendous torment. I've heard of only that happening a couple of times. One was at boot camp. A young man was just so afraid of the D.I.'s. But sin does that. People are tormented all over the planet. Absolutely tormented. The guilt of their past. The shame of what they know they really are. What they're doing. Maybe no one else sees it. Maybe no one else knows what you're doing. But you do. And that will torment your mind. Your mind can be free in Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing but everything. By prayer and supplication, give thanks. And let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus. One of the biggest problems of peace is people are at war with God. God's telling them to do one thing and they're, they're going to do another. God says, you do this and be righteous. And they say, no, I'm going to do this. And then they'll justify it. I've been offended. I deserve. I should. I belong. I know what's right. I, and we're going to, they're going to justify it and bring problems to their own life. Colossians chapter 1, 19 through 22. For it pleased the Father... That in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him reconciling all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. You who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, now he is reconciled, that in the body of his flesh through death, To present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. 
that Jesus Christ's blood can give you peace of mind. You don't have to be tormented. You don't have to go around wondering and living in the guilt and the shame that sin always brings. You can be free. The fourth area, he says, by his stripes, we are healed. John 19, 1. So Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. Mark 15, 15. And so Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barnabas to them. And he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. Scourging was not a typical part of crucifixion. Some believe that Pilate did this to hopefully appease the crowd so he could let Jesus live because of his wife's dream. We don't know why Pilate did it. He's not around anymore to ask. But the way they whipped Jesus, and, and I'll tell you, the passion of the Christ really did show it well, except when they flipped him over. They would never have done that because it would have crushed his, broken his ribs and that would have killed him. But it was with a cat and nine tail. And what that basically is, it would have four or five, six, seven, up to nine different little straps of leather coming out of the whip. And there would be pieces of rock, clay, or glass in the ends of each one of these. And when they would lay it across the back of a victim, they would pull it back. Those rocks, glass, clay digging in, ripping out the flesh and the blood. In the Passion of the Christ, when Mary goes to clean it up, which she would have never done. She would have never been permitted into that area, first and foremost. But my gosh, there was blood there in that movie. More blood than probably most humans could possibly hold. This was a political move on Pilate's part. But his body was being broken so that we could be healed. So that you and I can experience healing physically. The Bible says time and time again, he, I mentioned it this morning, he gave his disciples authority over Devils and diseases. First Peter two twenty one through twenty five. For you, uh, for to uh, for to this you were called, became uh, because Christ also suffered, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Who committed no sin, nor deceit was found in his mouth. Paul, uh, Peter quoting Psalms. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Who bore our sins in his own body on the tree, having died to sin, might live for righteousness. By whose stripes you were healed. For we were like sheep who have gone astray, but return now to the shepherd and overseer of our soul. Peter is using the 
language of Isaiah 53 as he's writing this and bringing out those kinds of understandings uh, that of who he was, the sheep uh, who had nothing to say, did not revile. All of this is drawn right out of Isaiah 53. And he makes this statement, by whose stripes you were healed. Healing is purchased just as much as forgiveness, deliverance, and peace. Healing is there for you. Mark 16, 17, and 18, These signs shall follow them who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink of any deadly things, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will Recover. Let's talk finally about applying the blood. Because that's what we have to do. The gift of Christ is there. The question is, will you grab it for yourself? Your forgiveness, your peace, your transforming, your healing. Religion teaches you have to do something to get, earn that. You have to do something. You have to go on a mission trip for a year and a half. You have to sell watchtowers. You have to pray to a certain amount of saints endlessly to get that. Do your novena. Put your ad in the newspaper or on Facebook. You have to, you know, sacrifice this and do that. But our legal ground for all of those is Calvary's cross. Our legal ground for all of them is the blood of Jesus. We have to plead the blood over whatever situation is going on in our lives right now. We're going to pray for people. We're going to pray for people who aren't here. Healing upon some people who aren't here. Because it is a legal grounds that we have that. You're forgiven, not because of your smarts, good looks, good works, whatever you want to use. You are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ and that alone. That's how you're forgiven. That is not how you serve God fully, but that is how you begin You don't have to do the sacrifice. Jesus already did it. Catholic Church teaches they do it over and over literally every Mass. They are re-sacrificing Jesus. Revelation 12, 10 and 11. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them day uh, and night before God has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony and did not love their lives even to death. They overcame him first and foremost by the blood of the Lamb. You are defenseless against the devil without the blood. Defenseless of the one who the Bible calls the God of this age, the one who has blinded people, leads them astray, captures them, helpless without the blood. 
It's the blood of Jesus Christ that gives us the authority over hell. That you can now command him to take his hand off your mind. Devil, you do not have the right to make me think that way. Devil, I'm not going to be your little puppet anymore. The blood of Jesus sets me free. You can overcome him. Because we have access to the presence of God. But only through the blood. Hebrews 10, 19 through 21. Therefore, my brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest, holiest by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, having a high priest over the house of God. Now, Paul, the apostle here is drawing from the imagery of the Old Testament. They had three sections. They had the outer court, they had the holy place, and they had the holiest place or the holy of holies. And it was in the holy of holies where the presence of God was. And to separate that, they had a veil. And some, uh, Josephus the historian said that this was four inches thick. Ten centimeters thick. That when Jesus ripped it and the Holy Spirit ripped it when Jesus died on the cross and made access to it, that they actually sewed it back up. The Pharisees. Out of that imagery, he says, we can have a boldness to enter into God's presence through the blood. If you entered in with sin in your life, You'd be struck dead immediately. But we can have boldness because we're forgiven. We have access to God because God doesn't look at us in our sin. He looks at us through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have this glorious understanding. It also guarantees us help in the future. Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Christ Jesus, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. That the blood of Jesus Christ, the everlasting covenant, make you complete. Good work. Do His will. Well-pleasing in His sight. That's a process. New converts don't get up off the altar and go, I got this whole thing, will of God, figured out now. I know exactly what to do to please God every day of my life. It's a process. But that process only comes through the blood. Through the blood of Jesus Christ shed on Calvary's cross. That power of his blood. So the question then I have for you tonight. Is which one of the four, maybe it's all four. Areas do you need to apply the blood? Is it your transgressions? 
Is it your sin that separates you from God? Is that what you need the blood of Christ for? If, you're not go- if you cannot tell me you're going to make heaven your home, you can guarantee it right now. You can't tell me that you're born again by the Spirit of God. Then you need forgiveness. If there's things you hope that no one in this room knows that you did, then you need forgiveness. Because I'll tell you two people that do know. God and you. Maybe you need work on the inside. Maybe you've thought Christianity is just about being a good person. I'm a good person. I'm American. America. I'm a good person. I vote. I pay my taxes. I, be, I, both, I, I, I obey the speed limit most of the time. Especially when there's a cop behind me. I return my library books on time. I'm a good person. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, but scratch underneath the service and I bet we'll find a heathen. You need the blood of Jesus to transform who you are? How about peace? You tormented past? Issues in your life that torment you? They may have been 40 years ago. But the power of sin holds it to us like it was yesterday. Or maybe it's healing. Physical healing in your body. All of those are made accessible by the cross of Jesus Christ. That is the basis of Christianity. That is the fundamental power of Christianity. It's not do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. It's a great way to live, but it doesn't make you right with God. So I've heard sinners quote that. I mean wicked and exceeding men and women from Sodom and Gomorrah quote that. Say, well, I'm just living by the teachings of Jesus. Well, you've missed what Christianity is about. It's about the cross. We're going to apply some blood around here and see some people helped this evening. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. You're here tonight. Maybe you're not right with God. It is the blood of Jesus. The blood of the Lamb that brings us to forgiveness. If you're here, you're not right with God. You want to say, you know what? I need to get my heart right. I'm not interested in all your sins. I'm just interested in you admitting you're a sinner and that you need Jesus Christ. If that's you, I wonder if you'd slip up your hand and say, would you pray for me? I need to get my heart right with God. Thank God. Anyone else want to join Honest Hearts this evening? You want God to help you. It's not about how good you were, how smart you are. All those things help in life. But what makes you right with God is the blood of Jesus. You're backslidden. You're away from God and you want to come back to Jesus. Slip up your hand very quickly. I need to change. Stuff's going on in, in, in here. I need God to help me with. Anyone at all? Thank God. Anyone else? 
Praise God. You lifted your hand. Would you look at me? I mean, you mean that, don't you? Would you come? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to have a sister pray with you. Just kneel down right here. And uh, Brittany's going to pray with you. Just lead you in this very simple prayer. We're going to pray for some people who need healing in just a minute. But I want to challenge Christians. Sometimes things are going on inside our hearts. We're saved. We, we know our sins are forgiven. But we're trying to figure it out. How do I change? Maybe I need to read my Bible more and pray fast. What, how about just apply the blood? Reading your Bible, praying, that's definitely going to help you. You need to do that as a Christian. That's going to keep your mind. That's daily maintenance. But it isn't how you fix it. How you fix it is the blood. The blood of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's peace. Maybe you need to settle things, past things in your life. You're going to leave them and plead the blood over them. We're going to stand. We're going to open up these altars. We're going to pray, like I said, for people in just a moment. Some simple prayers. I'm going to lead you in. And we're going to pray for those who might not even be here who are sick. But let's stand. Open these altars. Give God some time as we sing this song. Messiah